If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I live in Times Square, New York, and every December 31st, one million people come to my neighborhood to ring in the new year. But I wasn't one of them. I was stranded in the African desert, freezing to death. I'd never see 2023. I'd never see Avatar 2. I was going to die here. And this wasn't even the scariest part of my trip. This is What Am I Doing Here? Welcome to my week of living dangerously. She drags me everywhere, man. Sometimes by the hair, man. Forgot my underwear, man. This just isn't fair, man. I don't want to go there, man. What am I doing here? Been to Ukraine, Bahrain, Syria, Algeria, North Korea, South Korea, North Pole, South Pole, North Dakota, South Dakota, Spain, and Maine, and Iran, Iraq, Israel, India, Hunan, Wuhan, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, bottom of the Atlantic, Titanic, what a panic, drags me everywhere, man. If you like this podcast but hate the sound of my voice, and I know I do, then check out What Am I Doing Here, the book, all my great travel stories, new bonus material, and photos, photos, photos. Go to Amazon.com for What Am I Doing Here by Mike Reese. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this weekend. Bet Online is the top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action, and don't forget to use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now back to the show. I was flying into Zambia, a country I didn't even know existed. I had $1,000 in small bills in my luggage, knowing many locals would be asking for tips. Well, apparently the baggage handler on Zambia Air thought he deserved a pretty big tip because he stole the whole thousand before I even got off the plane. To save money, I hired the very worst tour guide in Africa. His name was James, and although he was pushing 60, he looked like a teenager on his first date. He wore a white dress shirt buttoned up to his neck. He was sweating profusely and quivering like a banjo string. He'd spent his entire life in Zambia's capital, Lusaka, but didn't seem to know a thing about it. 
What's the population of Lusaka? I asked. Thirteen, he replied. Thirteen, I asked. Thirteen hundred? Thirteen thousand? Thirteen millions. Thirteen million? Thirty millions. Lusaka was growing by the second. It was now the largest city on earth. Thirty million people packed in a country with a population of eleven million. My wife decided to change the subject. She pointed to a beautifully manicured park nearby. What's that? She asked. I don't know. James didn't recognize the only tourist attraction in his hometown. It's called Embassy Park, and it's the burial place of every Zambian president ever. It's a young country, and there have only been six. Each president has an elaborate and distinctive mausoleum which you get to explore. It's like Epcot Center for dead people. You might say Epcot Center is Epcot Center for dead people. But screw you. I like Epcot. It's never crowded, and they sell beer. I asked James a real softball question. What is the name of your current president? He is not buried here. He is alive. Yes, I understand. That's why he's the current president. And what is his name? He is 60 years old. All right. And at his last birthday party, when they brought out the cake and everybody sang, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. What? I was not at the birthday party. Just tell me his name. He is a very successful businessman. And what name is on his business cards? What name does he sign to his tax returns? Denise begged me to give up on this. We were losing daylight, but I needed this one small victory. Your president is his picture on local money. Yes, he is on the 100 Quatchmabile. And what does it say under his picture? 100 Quatchmas. Well, that was fun. Jittery James didn't say much for the rest of the day. He seemed to think he was our hostage, and if he just stayed quiet, we might let him go. We dragged this poor soul all over Lusaka, giving him the tour he was supposed to give us. We brought him to the National Museum, the Central Bazaar, and we bought him a lunch of goat stew cooked in a paper bag. It was delicious. At the end of the day, we let James go. Denise asked, Did you tip him? I said, Why would I tip him? He was a tour guide with no tour and no guidance. He was like a make-a-wish kid whose dream was to see Lusaka through the eyes of two Americans. So you didn't tip him? I gave him 20 bucks. That night, we visited Lusaka's shiny new shopping mall. It was built in 1980s Stranger Things mall style. It had a fake Chicago speakeasy, a modern supermarket, a shop selling children's shoes, and a whorehouse. The mall had a whorehouse. We loved the smaller villages of Zambia. They buzzed with activity. The locals were all buying things, selling things, sweeping their storefronts, and chatting. Everyone laughed loudly and greeted strangers like long-lost friends. It's a sense I've gotten in many African towns. They are having more fun than we are. It is a world without white people, and we just suck the fun out of everything. And although these towns are choked with dust and built on a red clay base that stains everything, the people were absolutely immaculate. Most of them were dressed with amazing style, Perfect hair and nails, Chanel jackets with Prada shoes, and Gucci sunglasses. It was all as fake as wrestling, but they looked fantastic. 200 miles into the jungle, we passed a lone sentry who maybe saw three people on a good day. But even he was dressed like Jay-Z going to the Oscars. 
Of course, the reason we were visiting Zambia, the only reason anyone goes there, is to see Victoria Falls. It is 330 feet tall and 1.7 miles wide, and like Niagara Falls, it's spellbinding. For about two hours. Then what do you do? You cross the border into Zimbabwe so you can see the other side of the falls. Although the two countries are separated by a tiny footbridge, they are worlds apart. One U.S. dollar gets you 17 Zambian kwachma, or 250 trillion Zimbabwe bucks. Souvenir shops sell their local currency just for laughs. And although we were only visiting the country for two hours, it took us three hours to get through customs. You fill out two different forms and stand on three different lines. Each of the forms asks for your name, your passport number, your home address, and then for your name again, just in case it had changed since you started filling out the form. And these forms are printed on a kind of paper so cheap, the jungle climate turned it into mush. As you exit customs, you pass the six-foot pile of completed forms, moldering into compost. Once inside Zimbabwe, we booked a helicopter to fly over Victoria Falls. The flight was like the first time I had sex. It was thrilling, it took five minutes, and it cost me 300 bucks. I have not blown so much money so quickly since the cocaine 80s. Speaking of wasted money, that night we had dinner on a steam train to view the falls from a railroad bridge. The train looked like the Orient Express, and the food tasted like Panda Express. Although it was a four-hour adventure, the train only moved about five miles. It was all part of the modern science of tourist attractions. How little can you give people and how much can you charge without them asking for their money back? It's the mathematical formula that underlies all those immersive Van Gogh shows. So now I'd seen Victoria Falls. In a plane, on a train, from the back, on a track, in a boat, eating goat. How else could I see the falls? There is a way, but it took balls. I swam into the Zambezi River and hung over the edge of Victoria Falls. I was staring 300 feet down into the abyss. The only thing holding me back was a big African man grasping my wet ankles in his wet hands. And what was holding him back? Nothing, really. He was standing neck deep in the churning water. The current was so strong that each year dozens of elephants and hippos get washed over the falls. It sounds horrifying, but... Kind of funny. Cute, even. The next day, the top story in Zimbabwe's national paper was Simpsons writer hangs over Victoria Falls. Will Smith had done the same thing a year ago and got no press at all. Suck on it, slappy. The next day, we did something called Walking with Lions. And that's what it was. You spend an hour walking through a jungle compound with four large lions. The trainers stood at a safe distance shouting encouragement. Scratch its back. Rub its neck. Don't touch its ears or it will kill you. We enjoyed the experience so much that we came back the next day for walking the cheetah. The trainer again had very bad advice. Pull its tail. They like when you pull their tail. If this sounds dangerous, it is. 
At a similar attraction in South Africa, the cheetah mauled a Japanese tourist. When reporters asked if this had ever happened before, the owner admitted, Actually, it happened yesterday too. Right next to the cheetah park is the crocodile farm. They have these places all over Florida, but they can't touch the raw danger of the Zambian crocodile park. This one featured way too many crocodiles being held behind a cheap wooden fence they could easily climb over or bite through. The crocs were larger than my first apartment, and when they snapped their jaws, you could feel it echo in your rib cage. The biggest and meanest of them all was a croc named Godzilla. For two bucks, our guide climbed into the pit and poked him with a stick. For another three bucks, I got to feed Godzilla an entire cow's head. Only later did I learn that Godzilla had already killed three people. But all the animals in this park had criminal records. They had a black mamba snake who had killed half a dozen Chinese contractors. These men had come to Zambia to do construction work. When one found a black mamba in his kitchen, his African host urged him to flee. But the Chinese contractor assured him he wasn't afraid of a snake. Seconds later, he was dead. The second Chinese contractor walked in, saw his colleague dead on the ground, and decided he would show the black mamba who was boss. Turns out, the mamba was the boss. By the end of the day, the snake had killed six contractors. I feel bad for them all, except maybe the last guy who walked in, saw his five friends dead on the kitchen floor, and decided, I can handle this. For the last leg of our trip, we were joined by a new tour guide named Solomon. Like our first guide, Jumpy James, Solomon didn't do anything. He never even got out of the car. When Solomon didn't show up on Saturday, I asked where he was. This is his day off. From what, I said. At the end of the trip, I tipped Solomon $20. That seemed to be the going rate for doing nothing. Our week of living dangerously ended where this podcast began. New Year's Eve. My wife had booked a special jeep and driver to take us deep into the Kalahari Desert. He parked atop the tallest dune, 500 feet high, so we could watch the final sunset of 2022. As we sipped champagne in an act of astonishing white privilege, Denise looked at the jeep. Why are his headlights on? They've been on all day. Honey, I said, I think he knows what he's doing. I would end this year the same way I'd lived it, saying wrong and stupid things. Because when we climbed back in the Jeep to leave, the engine wouldn't start. The battery had run down. We tried phoning for help, but there's not a lot of phone reception in the depths of the Kalahari. And this being the desert, the nighttime temperatures had plummeted from 85 degrees to 40. That's when the driver had an inspiration. He would roll the jeep down the dune to jumpstart it. Now I know nothing about cars, except that this trick only works on standard transmissions. Our jeep was an automatic. Still, we got out of the jeep and watched the driver release the parking brake and put the car in neutral. Then he did something so stupendously stupid, even Wiley Coyote would have said, that's not gonna work. Our driver got out of the car, ran to the back, and began pushing it over the edge of the dune. Even if this started the jeep, the driverless vehicle would take off without us. We would die, but the jeep would live. Instead, 
The car got stuck halfway over the edge of the sand dune. It teetered there like a giant piece of kinetic art. Now we couldn't even huddle in the car for warmth. We had to go with plan B. Dying of hypothermia. And that's when a holiday miracle saved our lives. The driver's cell phone began ringing. Calls couldn't get out of the desert, but apparently they could still come in. It was the driver's boss ringing him to say, Why aren't you back, you idiot? Where's the goddamn jeep? We were saved. I would see 2023. I would see Avatar 2. It was just awful. I mean, what was that? Oh, and by the way, the president of Zambia is named Haikandi Hichilima. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, with Denise Reese as herself. Additional voices by Trevor Morris, Mike's Funny Doorman. The theme song was written and performed by Jimmy Jonatoli. Check out What Am I Doing Here, the book by Mike Reese, available at Amazon.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.